today on CityCast Denver. Preserving our Chicano culture has never been more important. This history lives on in the form of parks, churches, and murals around our city. But if we're erasing all of our murals and all of the buildings that we once occupied, there's not going to be a story left. There's, we, the archaeologists won't even know that Hispanos lived here. They won't know that Chicanos lived here, and for that matter, African Americans as well, because they're wiping us out. They're erasing us from that history. There's a new push to save these murals and cultural institutions in Denver. We talk with one of the people behind it. Today is Earth Day, Thursday, April 22nd, 2021. I'm Bree Davies, and this is CityCast Denver. Now for some news. Things are finally warming up in Denver today with a high of 50 degrees and scattered clouds. Students at the University of Denver will have to provide proof of COVID-19 vaccination before returning to campus this fall. They'll be allowed to opt out for health, religious, or personal reasons, but those who do will be subject to testing protocol. A new bill cleared the state legislature this week that could mean Colorado businesses could be fined up to $250 if they refuse to accept cash for goods and services. If Governor Polis signs it, the legislation would serve underbanked people, which includes many in the undocumented community and those who use alternative financial services like short-term payday lenders and prepaid debit cards. I'm sure I've mentioned it on the show before, but I live on Denver's far west side. You know, across I-25. And I love my neighborhood so much. I wouldn't live anywhere else. One of my favorite parts about it is that the culture here has remained largely unchanged. But we're still in danger of losing that heritage one day if we don't work to preserve it now. Community leaders feel this way too. Out of all the historic sites in Denver, only 3% are connected to communities of color. And that's why cultural organizations in Denver have teamed up to identify and save important pieces of the Chicano community's history. Um, Oh, I have to ask you, is your sister Mia Martinez Lopez? Yeah, yeah. Okay, so crazy story. Her and I have the same address, but it's, I'm South and she's not. (laughs) And I I get her Grubhub deliveries like, every week. Oh gosh. (laughs) Just a small world thing. Lucha Martinez de Luna's family is deeply rooted in the history of the Chicano movement. She directs the Chicano Murals of Colorado project and is working with the city to preserve Chicano history and culture. She joins me on the show today to talk about why these buildings and murals are so much more than just bricks and paint. I'd love to start with just sort of a a broader picture, but maybe what is your personal connection with the La Alma Lincoln Park neighborhood? Yeah, um, so I was pretty much born in that neighborhood, and that's where my father um, began the mural movement. Um, He started painting murals. The the first mural was in front of, well, the facade of the, the projects where we lived, and then he started painting murals at, um, Lama Park in the, the pool building. Mm-hmm. And your father is uh, Emmanuel Martinez, right? Yes, that's correct. Uh huh. And when you say he was painting the pool building, can you give us a little context as to what it would mean for someone to be 
painting a mural on a public pool building because it's it's not just a random surface that was chosen. Right. The city of Denver, of course, was just, they just didn't let it happen. They were, um, um, they basically tried to stop him and they told him he had to be an employee to be painting murals on the building. So that's when he trained to be a lifeguard and became a city and county employee. And then on the side, he was painting murals. Now, um, the reason why this is so significant for the park is we didn't really have access. When I say we, uh, marginalized people of color did not necessarily have access to these parks. There were many parks that wouldn't allow people of color to swim in the pools until the day before it was going to be cleaned. And so basically the the youth uh, at that time, the the neighborhoods had changed significantly and really there were only people of color living in these neighborhoods. So they really started to just um, get a little more, um, I don't want to say aggressive, but they they were trying to have access to these public spaces. Mm The mural as an art form is also this, it's a message board. It's this really important piece of the Chicano civil rights movement. Can you talk about the role of murals in the movement? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Um, Well, at the same time, what is happening is, um, this is one of the best examples, West High School. Students were experiencing a lot of discrimination in the school and they were also demanding that they had access to their history. They wanted to learn the rich history that uh, Hispanos, Chicanos, Mexicanos have in Denver, and they just didn't have access to that. So that's uh, kind of initiated the West High School walkouts. So basically the murals became historical textbooks in our community, kind of describing our heritage and basically kind of legitimizing this is this is our place as well this is where we belong and why are we in this situation where we're constantly displaced and marginalized and i know if we kind of um come back to current time there's a moment there's like a a momentum really building across the city to recognize chicano history sort of finally um and i wonder if there's any uh, murals and or other cultural landmarks that you're thinking about in this area that you would like to see preserved in particular? Definitely the ones that I would consider legacy murals. These are the ones that um, Colorado has a very distinct aesthetic in terms of murals. It's very unique to Colorado. And many of these murals were painted um, uh, in the 1990s to uh, 1968. Um, unfortunately, um, the further back we go, there's very few of them left. Um, there's probably just a handful of them. But those are the ones that we're targeting to preserve because, um, as I mentioned before, they are they have a deep, rich history. Many of them, um, that's what's so unique about these, these murals, uh, the Chicano murals, is they're painted with the community and for the community. Many times the muralists would actually paint portraits of people in the community uh, in the mural. Uh, so you can see who lived in this community. You could see their faces. A lot of them are children. So this is a big part of our heritage and not necessarily just Chicanos. When you talk about unique aesthetic, I know you're talking about um, the subjects of these murals. Is there a is there a aesthetic or style about our particular murals that's very Colorado? Oh, very much so. I wouldn't necessarily st- say a style because 
all the murals, uh, you know, the, the muralists have their own style, but the aesthetic is describing this unique history that we have in Colorado where um, Hispanos uh, from northern New Mexico and southern Colorado essentially migrated up to Denver. But that's what that's the stories that you see in these murals, because as you know, um, many of our families, uh, we can trace our ancestry as far back, uh, for example, my family to 1598, when the Spaniards came into Santa Fe. That's how far back some of our families go in this part of the country. And so that, that unique culture and history um, has not been forgotten, and it descri- uh, we describe that in the murals. There's been a mural that has um, recently come up in the news again. There's this healthcare heroes mural that was painted on the side of a building on Colfax, um, and, and it went up for sale as an NFT and non-fungible token recently. And in all of the photos I saw of it, it didn't. I didn't notice until way later on. They had to sort of whitewash half of Carlotta Espinosa's Mrs. God mural to paint that mural. Can you talk about who Carlotta Espinoza is and her work? Because it seems so disrespectful and um, it's just such an important... I grew up looking at that mural. And when I realized this mural painted over half of that, I just couldn't believe it. Yeah, so Carlotta, um, she started painting murals in the early 70s. I think her first mural was 74 at Our Lady of Guadalupe Church, which in fact is also a very important um, site but this specific mural, essentially, it, 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 it's a very difficult story. And, and I, it, I feel a little bad about it as well because um, the, new, uh, the new muralist, the younger muralist, there is this sense of impermanence with murals, um, as you can see with these festivals that are starting to happen where a mural goes up for a year and then they just paint over it. Um, and I think a part of that is there's no connection to the community. They weren't painted for the community. They're, they basically are becoming kind of like um, a, a tool or a mechanism to bring tourism in, essentially. And so, you know, I, I, I feel bad about talking about this particular piece because I sympathize with the artist. Um, I think, you know, he's from a different generation. And at the same time, it was heartbreaking to see Carlota's mural being painted over. Um, Carlota is, um, you know, we talked about it. How, how are we going to protect this mural? And unfortunately, uh, many of our elder um, muralists, they've kind of, they just kind of throw their hands up because they're used to their murals being painted over. Um, many of the muralists at this time, they've probably lost the majority of the murals that they've painted in Denver. So unfortunately, that's how Carlota saw it as well. You know, I, I did what I could. Um, you know, I painted this for the community, but they don't really respect our work. They don't respect our art. So it's just another one lost. And, and that's just heartbreaking for me to hear that um, because, you know, I've always described this analogy, especially, you know, I, well, my real job, what I really do is I'm an archaeologist. <laughs> and when I think about... Um, as an archaeologist coming here of 500 years from now or 1,000 years from now, and uh, what we excavate is really a small percentage of what represents a community, which tends to be buildings, and if we're lucky, we find murals. 
But if we're erasing all of our murals and all of the buildings that we once occupied, there's not going to be a story left. There's, we, the archaeologists won't even know that Hispanos lived here. They won't know that Chicanos lived here. And for that matter, African-Americans as well, because they're wiping us out. They're erasing us from that history. There will be a meeting about this project on April 28th where community members can share feedback and their own stories about the La Alma neighborhood. We'll have details in our show notes about how to participate. We've got one more thing for you today. It's Earth Day, and I thought it would be nice to check in with my friend and fellow Westsider, Ian Thomas Tafoya. He's a social, economic, and environmental justice advocate, and he was actually born on Earth Day. Well, you know, Born on Earth Day is a blessing that my mom talked about. She used to take me to the library and show me in books about how rivers were on fire. Uh, and growing up in the Chicano movement in the West Side, it was pretty clear the impact that pesticides were having and the impact my family talked about. And if you want to get involved and do your part for the Earth, here's Ian's advice. Well, I would encourage everyone on Earth Day to think about being a water protector. A water protector means cleaning up trash, and it also means that people have access to water. You know, you could help today, or you could help on the weekends with my group Headwaters Protectors. Headwaters Protectors is a mutual aid organization that really came together during COVID to help clean up the trash and provide water and hand washing to individuals that are unhoused in our city. We know there's somewhere between two to 31,000 individuals that are experiencing some form of homelessness and during COVID they haven't had access to water and they haven't had access to trash services. And so we've gone in there to help in these crisis situations to both protect the water and protect the people. That was Ian Thomas Tafoya of Headwaters Protectors. They meet every Sunday at 10 a.m. at Benedict Fountain Park in Uptown. Follow at Headwaters Protectors on Instagram for more information. That's all for today here on CityCast Denver. If you enjoyed the show, why not take a minute to tell a friend about us, rate the show wherever you get your podcasts, and subscribe to our fantastic morning newsletter. We'll be back tomorrow morning with more news from around the city. See you later. Today it's Earth Day. It's the Earth's birthday. <laughs>